I talked him to, into coming in because it's like a fraternity. Tom Campbell, a former North Dakota State Senator. Uh, we have an alumni pin. You're not wearing it. Hey, good morning, Joel. Good morning, people now, out there. Now, you were farming in Grafton area. Are you still doing that, or are you backed yeah. away from the farm? No, I still am. My little brother, Greg, uh, manages it and takes care of all the micro decisions and everything. He does a great job. I get up to maybe one day a week or so, and okay. the less I'm there, the better he does, and we get along. So he does done a phenomenal job. Tom, one of the reasons I asked you to come in is because on your side of the aisle, the Republican side of the aisle, there's been a lot of changes. I mean, there has, and there's potentially going to be more. Uh, you know, let, let's start at the top. Governor Burgum ran for president of the United States. He didn't get very far. He's back home. Um, you, you know, I'm going to say this, and you don't have to say it, or maybe you don't even want to brought into the conversation, but his poll numbers aren't good. Uh, North Dakotans, you know, there, there's a poll out there that shows he was in the 30 percentile, and this is his second term. What I'm trying to find out from you and why I wanted you to come on in is, is that a job that interests you? Is it time for somebody else to have that job? Are you going to challenge him? Or if he doesn't run, are you going to throw your hat in the ring for that? Well, good question. And you had asked me this when you <clears throat> when we ran into each other. Um, I haven't decided yet for sure one way or the other. I'm, I'm seriously considering it. Um, I think uh, Rob Port did an article on Kelly Armstrong and I several months ago. Just asked, I think when Doug first threw his hat in the ring for the presidential Mm-hmm. race that would you guys run if he's president and i said i'd consider it and it's something that i'm always have considered it because i was involved in politics uh three years or six years three sessions in the senate you know i was a little bit after you enjoyed it i saved it for the back one third of my life harley kingsbury i don't know if you remember him or not but he was in the house yeah uh, i remember his, his uh, daughter-in-law um was represented there as well for a long time but he told me way back when he retired he was a farmer up in our area and he retired and I was younger and he said, Tom, he says, I want you to take my place. And I told him I was young. I snow Harley. I says, I've got young kids and businesses and run around. And, and he looked at me, he grabbed me. He was a big guy. You smoked a cigar and he was kind of dominant. And, and he says, that's the problem. He says, we need good common sense people like you. Cause if you don't run now, he says, you may not have a country later on to be involved in. So I never forgot that. So, but I, I didn't listen to him at the time, but I did pursue politics later on and I enjoyed it. It was kind of fun. And you know, the Senate, it's a, it's a, it's a good job. But anyway, getting back to Doug Burgum, um, it was interesting. The, the Fargo farm, I think it was a Fargo farm poll. It was like 38%. Uh, he was liked. The number shocked me. It, it, it didn't shock me because I've, and I, and I like Doug. I support Doug. He was a good governor and he's still doing a good job. Um, but yet, you know, he supported term limits, the eight year term limits. He was very supportive in that. So I think, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know if he even knows what he's going to do. If he has, he hasn't, you know, uh, exposed it to anybody. But I think. Um, so you think that's why his numbers are so weak because he supported term limits? Well, that was, that's just one of, of many things. But I think some other well, things. What are the is, others? The other things I think, and this is just my idea, is yeah. that, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not here to bash him because he, no, 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 he was no, a good I, governor and yep. he still is a good governor. He's done a lot of things. He's pro-business and you know, the city, you know, main street initiatives and stuff. But I think a lot of the people want to, it's, it's time to move on. It's like the presidential uh, presidents are in for eight years. Um, you know, I think just by running for the president, that's put a, a lot of people's mindset in that, he, that he's moved up. He's moved on that he's done his governorship and he's moved on. And uh, he did say, you remember that he said he doesn't like politics. He doesn't want to be a politician. He said that about a month ago, which doesn't surprise me because I think I would relate to that too. I don't like politics, but I, 
I like leadership, and I think it can help a lot of people. Um, so I think a, a combination of a lot of those things, a little bit of it, it's envy, I think. You know, he's a billionaire, um, and, and that's great. This capitalism, this America, I, I commend him for that. I think everybody would love to strive to, to make more money and spend more money. But I, I know some people uh, are a little bit jealous and envious of that, uh, I think. That's a little bit. Um, also, too, you know, the, the hypocrisy, if he does run, he would be eating his words on the eight-year term limits. You know, some of the things he did when he was campaigning for president, you know, the, the, the $20 gift cards, you know, he's buying his position and stuff. And then he was absent for lots of things. You know, the UND-NDSU game, he was in New Hampshire watching a football game. I know several people. And, and to me, it was like, whatever, he's got to do what he's got to do. I commend him. He's running for the president. But that rubbed some people wrong. A lot of people are saying, gosh, you know, he's our cheerleader. He should have been in Grand Forks that game. Um, I was there sitting in the UND side and you know, got a hard time about it. But I um, was happy for Bubba. So I think you, you put all those things in, those, all those little things, um, people are, are just ready for a change and to move on. He, he's done his eight years, did a great job. I've got a friend, I won't mention his name, he wants to remain anonymous, and he just did this on his own. Uh, unofficial polls, he called a lot of people, primarily in the eastern United States, Grand Forks and Fargo, and he said he called about probably uh, 100 plus people. And he said he had a hard time finding one person that would support Doug again. It's not that they're bashing him. It's not that he did a bad job. But a lot of people are just ready to, to move on. I think it's just time to move on and for, for change. And some of the people, some of his old donors, that you know, he doesn't reply to him anymore, which I can kind of relate to him too because he gets so busy in that position. You, you can't answer all your texts. Just like you, I'm sure it's, it's hard to ask all your, answer all your, your personal emails and text messages because there's just a lot of them in person in your position or, or the governor's position or, or, you know, presidential candidates. So I think you put them all together, Joel, and I think people are just ready to move on. I, I think I could be wrong, but that's just my hunch. But yet, you know, another thing that was really surprising was that when they did the poll, that same poll, I think it was the Fargo forum, Fargo forum poll on uh, who would you vote for as uh, from the North Dakotans as a president. And he took third place. Uh, Scott Hennon did an unofficial poll on his radio program way back. I didn't listen to it, but um, Doug took fourth place. And that would be alarming if I was in his position, like, gosh, how do you get the other 49 states to support you when your home guys don't? That would be kind of scary. So that that must have set a little alarm. That would set an alarm to me being in politics if, if let's say, I was running for a state position in my local District 19 didn't like me. I'd say, wow, what, what am I doing? This doesn't make sense. You know, the good old home crowd boys don't support me. How can I get the rest of the 49 states that don't know me? So all those little things, I think, is just sending an indication that maybe it's time to move on. I don't know. Maybe what, I'm wrong. What do you think is the reason that the, and, and I'm saying this, you don't have to say this, you don't have to agree with it, obviously, but I don't think the Republican legislature likes him. The majority of the Republican legislature doesn't like him. They don't work well with him. I mean, if you if you look at what he's done to uh, inject himself into certain legislative races with massive amounts of money, uh, I know that that's ticked off some Republican legislators. I know that there's a bigger disconnect uh, between himself and uh, and the legislature uh, more than any governor I've ever seen before in my adult life. I mean, I'm serious. Uh, I remember watching Bud Center with a Republican legislature and Democrat. I re- it, by its very nature, the governor and the legislature are not supposed to get along if they're doing their job right. I get it. But this Republican legislature takes it to a whole different level. 
And I'm wondering why. Well, great comment. Um, remember when he was campaigning, he threw a lot of them under the bus. You probably remember that. And because uh, um, he was, you know, wanted to drain the swamp type thing. And uh, that was a big part of it. But there was just a lot of friction that a lot of the people didn't support the way he ran his campaign, you know, throwing them under the bus, the Bismarck boys and and then, you know, supporting them financially. Some of the guys, he gave a lot of guys. I know I know a lot of these guys because I was I served with them for six years and a lot of them, you know, run to remain anonymous. But he gave a select quite a few people, you know, ten and twenty thousand dollars. And then they're kind of in his back pocket. And, uh, um, you know, the house, you know, with the uh, with his income tax special session, you know, the house supported him. And then, of course, the Senate didn't. And I talked to several senators before it came up, and I think we all knew what the answer was going to be. They, they just, a lot of them, you know, off the record, did just don't like them for other reasons. I think just throwing them under the bus. and. But why? You know, That's my question. You know, I, I realize you know, the term limit things. I, mm-hmm. I get that. But that one, to me, with the way it's drafted, you know, a lot of the incumbents are protected in that. You know that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it about him? And, and think about that. I'll give you more time you know. to think about that. I asked Tom Campbell to come in the room because he's potentially uh, a candidate. He's somebody that would throw his hat, I believe. I'm not going to say that for you. you know. <laughs> I believe you'd throw your hat in for governor, and you might, uh, whether Doug Burgum's in the race or not. Uh, I want to go back to this theme of how, even if he, he stays in the race, what the argument you'd make to the people of North Dakota is, because there's got to be a separation. There's got to be. And there's a lot of people, Wayne Stengem being the perfect example, that got money rolled uh, when it comes to Doug Burgum. Uh, Doug directly went to the primary. He said he always says, well, I went to the convention. But before the convention, he announced he's going to the primary, which, you know, and and so Wayne Stengem didn't have the money to take him on. I mean, my point is this. How do you take him on? Yeah, and I don't have that kind of money either. And, uh, um, you know, if I run or somebody else runs similar to position with me, that it would be a little bit of the underdog. He's the incumbent governor, which is, you know, that's something credible. That's always a challenge. But yet, um, yeah, look what he did to Wayne Stengem. Wayne Stengem was, since 1977, he was just automatically in. Everybody thought he was in. I supported him initially, and I switched because he, he didn't work as hard. I, I don't think he... It, it was a money thing, too, because, Doug, there's no question about it. He, you know, people have referenced that he, he bought the seat. Well, call it whatever you want, but if you spent five or six or seven million dollars, that sure did help for those of the people that. Last well, Jeff Delzer, former state legislator, yes, yep. whether or not he's willing to buy a seat. Yep. No, that's a good point. That's a good example, too, where he didn't care for him at all. But um, so, you know, I think that, that supporting the term limits would be a big thing because, you know, he went out on a limb. He was for the eight year term limits, and now he's, you know, going to run. For his third term, twelve years, and when you third, support eight years, it's like wait the a minute. First here. governor since Art Link to do that, to, well, no, to, if he won. Yeah, Ho- Hoven, no, Hoven went his third term, and then he after two years, then he ran for. Um, when I, I did Hoven his, get out? He he got out. Uh, well, it's, he's he been, ran in two thousand. That yeah, was, but he's, he has his third term. He was in for ten years, and then halfway through, okay. remember, he resigned to run for the Senate. I remember I think that. He ran against your sister, I believe. Yep. In and 2000. then and then Jack Darrell automatically was a lieutenant governor, so he became the governor. Because there's only two lieutenant governors that ever became governors mm-hmm. in the history of the United States. Because that or in North Dakota, because that doesn't happen too often. But okay. uh, but Hoven was the stand one. corrected on yeah, Hoven. Hoven was the one that I know, and, and I think that's it. No, our link was before that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So. And I guess what I'm what I'm trying to get to here is when you run, and I believe you will run, what are you running on? What changes 
because the Republican Party is such a majority in the state of North Dakota. You're running for uh, the chief executive position in the state of North Dakota. What changes versus what we have now? <laughs> you're you're asking me uh, some questions that um, I'm not here to declare my stump speech or my candidacy because I'm not I'm not sure I'm gonna do it yet. You know, and and you know when I oh, we when, when we talk oh yeah no you'll be one of the first ones to know. Probably probably a few minutes after Scott Hannon, otherwise he'll really well, chew me out. <laughs> no, that's okay if you want nobody but, to know. I'd no. like, but you know, that seeing how he doesn't get any ratings, you, go ahead. you <laughs> no. can come here. We beat him about uh, to, you know ten to one, but that's okay. Yeah. You, you know, you go ahead. No, but I seriously because you you know back when I was running for United States Senate, because um, I was told as as we talked earlier, I was told by all my my. Uh, campaign manager and the guys that hired from Washington, D.C., the same guys that Doug hired, Chip and the boy, they said, nope, you can't, no, don't even talk to him. Cut out his me. phone number. You and several other, you know, your colleagues on the other side of the fence. And no, no, no. So I, I kind of listened to him. I figured, okay, I'm new at this. And Well, let, well, me, anyway. let me say this to you, Tom. When you get in your pickup and you leave here, you tell me how many messages you get. <laughs> well, okay. it was, you, I was in, you tell me how many text messages you get, how many phone calls you get, because uh, here's the difference. People listen. And if you want to talk to people, you got to be willing to be in a room where you think or you might be a little uncomfortable. For example, I'll ask you what the heck you were doing out in D.C. on January 6th for. Okay, answer (laughs) me that one. Oh, that's I will answer that right now, but I'll finish up what I was going to say. And this is for your side. When you I I didn't listen to my campaign consultant crews and I you called me and I said, yep, I'll talk to you. And I remember I had to pull over an interstate. It was an exit by. I remember uh, it. And and uh, and I just said something about you know Joel don't don't beat me up don't throw me any you know curveballs and 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 I'll never you respected me you treated me fair I don't get into your personal life no no, no but it was good and, and uh, that's why when you talked to me a couple of days ago I said you know I'll never forget that was six seven years ago you treated me with respect and I never forgot that and well, I anyway. got I got thirty seconds left okay so you- the the, uh, the Washington D.C. deal that was actually Scott Hannon Sunday night before he. The, like the day before, he said, hey, let's go out there. He's going out there. Why don't you join me? And I said, whatever. And so Monday morning, I got a ticket, and I flew out that Monday morning. And I'd never been anything like that before. And uh, um, This is the guy that claimed Black Lives Matter are the ones that attacked at the Capitol. You know that, right? Oh, yes. I heard that. Yeah. Right? Okay. As long as we both understand yeah. that. There's a lot of lying went on when it comes to that one. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, Black Lives Matter didn't attack the Capitol. <laughs> Tom, if you make this race, you're always welcome here. Okay? Thank you very much.